Now, the reason I'm so passionate about this particular sermon series is because I want us to be people who actually listen to God's voice. Like, listen to the teaching of God. Because watch this. If you don't listen to God's teaching, he will ascribe to you a pig's pen when you can't listen. Did y'all hear what I just said? Come here, prodigal son. If you don't know how to listen in the house, I could assign to you a famine and a pig's pen that's going to get your attention. And I want us to get to a place where I don't have to learn from pigs what I can learn in the father's house. I want us to be people who have wisdom. Now, this disclaimer, this series is going to require a massive amount of unlearning. I feel it already. This is prophetic for somebody. You are prolonging your healing and your season by resisting the purging. Whatever it is God is trying to purge out of your life, whatever it is God is trying to move, you are prolonging this season and prolonging your healing. And I'm trying to convince you, don't miss the miracle because you don't like the method. Did y'all hear me? Don't miss the miracle because you don't like the method. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I just keep attracting broken people. I just keep tracking the wrong ones. Could it be you have learned that to be needed is to be loved? And so you keep on attracting people because you feel value if you feel needed. And I'm trying to get us to see sometimes we're going to have to unlearn some stuff. Can I get somebody to say, unlearn that? I learned that. I learned that. Like if I was a note taker, I would write this down. Your new life is always going to come at the expense of your old one. (laughs) This is so good. Your new life is always going to cost you your old one. So if you want to have a newfound peace, that's going to cost you old comfort zones. Your new life is always going to cost you your old one. If you want to have new standards, it's always going to cost you old compromises. Because your new life is always going to come at the expense of your old one. If you want to have new purity, it's going to cost you old pleasures. I'm preaching already. How long have I been up here? Three minutes? (laughs) It's going to cost you your old one. Because your new life always comes at the expense of your old one. So the question I really want to ask us is, are you okay with being a freshman again? (laughs) You were on top in eighth grade, but the only way you can get promoted is you have to be a freshman again in high school. You were on top as a senior, but the only way you can get promoted to college is you have to be a freshman again. How willing are you to unlearn what you thought was right to discover how I could actually live right versus looking right. Because ignorance many times causes for us to drown in our own delusions. This is good, y'all. Okay, let me give y'all a text. Foundational text is going to be a lot, okay? It's going to be six foundational scriptures. I could not compact them to just one. So if you do not have a Bible, it's okay. It'll be projected for you on the screen. So first, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 14. And I'm going to just go, and you can write down these scriptures because there's a lot I want to share with you. Little time to do it and little voice to do it. So I want to make sure I can get this out, all right? Genesis chapter 4, 
verse 14. Now, Adam knew his wife. Somebody say knew. knew. Now, Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Now, say conceived. conceived. That's important, okay? Now, Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Now, three verses down, Genesis chapter 4, verse 17, and Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to the house of Ramah. Then Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son. Now, totally flipping the switch, Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, and then I will tell them and declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Then Luke chapter 1. told you it was a lot of scriptures. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. This is when the angel is coming to Mary. Mary says to the angel, how can this be? Meaning, how can I conceive because I do not know a man? Is anybody picking up the pattern? Yes. And our last foundational text, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 Likewise, ye wives. Thank you. Somebody reading the Bible. Likewise, ye women. Likewise, ye husbands. Dwell with them according to a no. Dwell with your wife according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. So you're telling me your knowledge of your wife, your honor of your wife is connected to God hearing your prayers? <laughs> Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Cain knew his wife and she conceived. Elkanah knew his wife and she conceived. And this is why it was so confusing to Mary because Mary's like, how am I going to conceive? I do not know a man. Then Jesus later on says, okay, many are going to say all these things that they've done. They preach, they have followers, they have platforms, they cast out devils. But I will tell them, I never knew you, meaning you never conceived my word. You never conceived my heart that caused for you to give birth to obedience. I never knew you. And then the text says, all right, men, all brothers under the sound of my voice, say I'm here. I'm here. I was very weak. One more time. All brothers in the house, say I'm here. Okay, better. I like it. Just one more time for me. It sounded good. All brothers in the house, say, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, it says, all right, all of you who desire marriage, 
who are husbands, are going to be husbands, I need you to dwell with her according to knowledge. I want you to notice in the text how it keeps interchanging the word new with sex. Adam knew his wife, meaning Adam had sex with his wife and she conceived because the original kingdom agenda for sex was for it to be between a husband and a wife. I need to say it one more time. The original kingdom agenda, I understand that we messed up, we fall short, I understand that. But God's original design was for sex to be the enjoyment of becoming one between a husband and a wife. Because sex is a fire and marriage is the fireplace, therefore you'll get burned if you do it any other way. Did y'all hear what I just said? Keep on doing it. You think it's hot now. I promise you. Sex is a fire and marriage is the fireplace. You'll get burned if you do it any other way. God's design was for sex to be the enjoyment between a husband and a wife so that they could be fruitful and multiply. Now, Jesus, when he says, I never knew you, it's a different type of new. He's not talking about a sexual new. He's not talking about a geographical new. He's not even talking about just a new of knowing his word. I'm talking about a personal no. So much so where in Exodus chapter 33, verse 17, when God is speaking to Moses, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Meaning I'm personal with you. I'm personal. I have a personal relationship with you. Just because you know him doesn't mean he knows you. Because to know is to conceive understanding. Now, could it be, I'm not going to lose, I'm going to lose all my amens, especially for my brothers, all right? Could it be the reason why your relationship, your marriage has little enjoyment, has no fruit, and you don't see anything being multiplied, could it be because you don't know her? Live with her, yes. Sleep in the same bed with her, yes. Share bills, yes. Jesus even say, they will heal the sick, they will cast out devils and still not know me. Could it be the reason there is no enjoyment and there is no fruit and there is no multiplication is because you don't know her? I think the greatest tragedy for marriage is for you to be married 15, 20 years and don't know each other. This is why I'm not impressed. How long you been married? 45 years. My God. That could be 45 years of marital length with no no. So, I think for part two of this series, we should speak around this thought from this subject, get to know her. Not sexually. I'm not talking about what you want her to do. I'm talking about get to know her on a personal level because your no is tied to your dwelling. Husbands, dwell with your wife according to knowledge. If you don't have a dwelling, it could be because you have no no. It's quiet in here. Is this making sense? Knowledge is information. 
Okay, understanding is comprehension, but wisdom is the ability to carry out that which has been comprehended. I need to say it one more time. Knowledge is information. Understanding, though, is comprehension, and wisdom is the ability to carry out that which has been comprehended. Just because you know what she needs and you understand what she needs, you're a fool if you don't give it because wisdom is the one to carry it out, what I know she needs. Now, okay, ladies going to like me on the day. They're not going to like me next Sunday. I promise you. I am an equal sex ed snatcher. On today, we're coming for the brothers. Because God is always going to call Adam first. He is always going to seek that man first, even though it was Eve who ate the fruit first. So anytime you take on a bride, you're saying, God, hold me accountable for everything under my authority. And don't complain because she's your pick. (laughs) Let's pray. I can tell it's going to get real. Okay. God, thank you. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Worship has gone forth, which is is us just saying, God, you are king. We pray, God, that you are magnified, that you are glorified, and allow this word to take root in our heart so that we will be individuals, Christ followers, future marriages, and current marriages will be able to operate with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Because ultimately, marriage is supposed to be the law of representation. It is supposed to be what Christ and the church looks like. Far be it from us to claim much of you, but never know you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees to that prayer would just shout in the room, amen. Now the word know, one of the meanings of the word know in Hebrew is yada. So yes, you may live with her, but you may not yada her. You could talk to her, but you may not yada her. So I want us to say this confession. Everybody can say it, not just brothers. I want everybody to say this confession as loud as you can. And everybody watching online, can you put this in the room in all caps? Can I get us to say, Father, Father, give me the humility humility and compassion compassion to always strive to to get an understanding. understanding. One more time. Father, Father, give me the humility and compassion compassion. to always strive strive to get an understanding. understanding. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, as we are getting this sermon series off the runway of casual Christianity so that it can reach a cruising altitude of life change and spiritual intelligence, because I told us last week, I'm not up here trying to give you relational advice. I'm not trying to be a love doctor. I want to redeem the original kingdom agenda. So therefore, I need us to understand this, that every person that we pick, ooh, it's about to get real. Every person we pick and the choice that you make on the individual that you're going to do life with is a choice on the materials that you will use to build your house. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's not about how fine they are, how much history you have shared together. I need you to understand this man or this woman is a choice on the materials that I'm going to use to build my house. 
And I want you to ask yourself this question. Would I be cool with those materials for my house? <laughs> that attitude, am I okay with those materials? That anger, am I okay with those materials? Don't relationship gold everybody because I promise you the grass is not always greener on the other side. Sometimes the reason it looks greener is because it's fake. <laughs> that part though. It's fake. You know what it is? It's turf. It's turf. And some people leave what they have just to discover that that was just painted grass. It wasn't real. And then now when you hop over the fence to try to go back to where you were, the door is locked. Because sometimes you don't recognize what you have until it becomes what you had. Grass looks greener because it's turf. This is why married people, we could tell you, okay, sometimes the grass is green, sometimes the grass is bright green, and sometimes it gets a little brown because our marriage is experiencing autumn right now. Sometimes it gets darker brown because our marriage is experiencing winter, but don't judge us. At least what we have is real. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to change because at least what we have is the real thing. Who you pick are the materials that you are choosing to build your house. Sex is not a good material to use. No, it's not. Just history is not good materials to use. Romance is not even good materials to use because romance intoxicates discernment. Some of us are missing God's big red flags due to big orgasms. Y'all don't want to talk to me. So you can't see God is saying this ain't me because of how they make you feel. It's not good building materials. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. He got money. He got money. High value, man. He got money. Um, you can have a rich devil. See that? See? You can have a rich devil. Like rich in money, in money but poverty stricken in character. Yet rich in possessions, but poverty-stricken in honesty, this means they lie a lot. In fact, the way that they got all the money was due to lying. You know what their business plan was? To lie. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's not good building materials. Am I saying I should choose somebody who has their finances in a state of depression? No, I'm not. Because truthfully, the way a person manages money tells a lot about their decision-making. But what I am saying is money is not going to break a stronghold off your bloodline. Money is not going to break a stronghold off your bloodline. And what I want a generation to get is who you pick and who you do life with is sponsoring your bloodline. Gosh, listen. Generations that will be here once we are gone are going to be affected by who you marry. One of the highest obligations that you and I have is to make sure that our unborn children or our children are not born in chaos, but are exposed to the kingdom agenda. Whoever you give your seed to, sir, she is sponsoring your bloodline. 
Whoever you give your womb to, ma'am, he is sponsoring your bloodline. So now the question is, due to this relational pick, are they breaking something off my family tree or keeping something in my bloodline? Because whoever you choose, that is the choice of materials that you are using to build your bloodline. And I believe God wants to use this series to cultivate future marriages and marriages that can say, yes, it ran in the family until it ran into our covenant. Until it ran in our covenant, something broke. The anointing breaks yokes. Could you imagine a marriage where y'all break stuff off of each other, break stuff off of your bloodline, and break stuff off of generations? The anointing breaks yokes. Now, if you had this perspective before you slid slid into her DMs, if you had this perspective before you went out on that date with them, maybe you would stop entertaining foolishness. Because you understand, I'm not trying to prescribe something for my loneliness. Whoever I pick is going to sponsor my generation. And having that mindset makes it to where I don't care if it's cold, 40, 30, 20 degrees, and I'm alone. At least I have peace in my house versus having somebody who keeps me in chaos. For me... In my house, this is Joshua 24, verse 15. He says, okay, listen, guys, um, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day who you will serve. Rather, the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, as for me, this means my wife This means my children. This means my goldfish. This means anybody who wants to live with me. If it's my cousin, if it's my in-law, if it's a grandmother, I need you to understand in this house, we will serve the Lord. So watch this. Your relational picks reflect what type of house you want to build. This is so good, man. It's more than what culture says. Culture is not our standard. Whoever I'm choosing, whoever I do life with is a choice to build my house. Now, I know, like I articulated before, I know I'm not the only one who has noticed that there seems to be a famine of kingdom men in the earth. I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one who has noticed how fatherlessness is plaguing our communities. Our sons, our nephews, our cousins, I know I'm not the only one. In fact, I know I'm not the only one who has noticed how she keeps posting pictures of him on her Instagram, her TikTok, but he don't have not one picture of her. Am I the only one who noticed that? I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one who has noticed that it seems that the emotion that men seem to be most in tune with, there are several emotions that we could use, but the emotion that we seem to use the most is anger. No, I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one who sees couples constantly arguing 
online, it was first, we're engaged. Then it went to, it's complicated. Then it went to, I'm single again. And I don't know how to communicate with him because what is happening is she's trying to interpret what he's saying through her emotion. And he's trying to get her to understand what he's saying through his logic. And so she feels like you don't understand me because you're not giving me any emotion. And then he feels like you being too emotional, use some logic. And so now the emotion and logic are fighting. Boom, we have a full-fledged argument. There's crying, yelling, sometimes cursing. Oh, y'all churchy. Sometimes cursing due to frustration. And you know where it stems from? It stems from when we were boys, we were robbed of the ability to feel. It's a scratch. Stop crying over that. Suck that up. Why are you acting like a little girl? And so when we were children, understand the first thing that children do to articulate a need is cry. So when we're told it's like a woman for you to cry, stop acting like that. You're supposed to be a boy. Why are you acting like a punk? You keep crying over everything. What has happened is we have been discipled not to feel other emotions. But the emotion that culture accepts is anger. So literally, this has bled over into the way he talks and the way he doesn't talk. Because the emotion that I use the most is anger. And I could be feeling other things when I'm with her, but I don't even know how to assign this feeling with this emotion because I was told that's soft. So now I have angry men who are feeling all types of emotions but don't know how to express it. And ladies, don't amen too much because we're always saying, I want him to talk to me. But when he does, you use it as blackmail. So now we're frustrated because I don't know how to communicate. I, I, I don't know how to talk. And this has bled over into words. And I need us to get this, that words are currency. Listen, words are currency. You're either investing it are spending it. When you spend your words, it will withdraw from the account of your heart. When you invest your words, it will deposit into the, par- into the department of your peace. This is so good, y'all. D- do you know how to communicate? And the reason we're going this direction on this afternoon is because the text says, husbands, I know their brother's like, man, she don't know how to talk to me. Okay, we're going to get there next week. (laughs) This text in 1 Peter said, husbands, husbands, dwell with her according to knowledge. Knowledge is what I need for you to use to interact with her. Maybe you're frustrated because you have no knowledge. Let's look at this again. 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 7, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. So pause. One way you could identify if this is a kingdom man is if he intentionally and is determined to gain knowledge of you. What does that look like? He lets her finish. (laughs) It's quiet in here. 
See, because look, when somebody is painting, you don't know what the painting is at the beginning. But if you keep watching, over time, you will start to gain some knowledge because you let the person finish. Every time you interrupt, you prolong the process of you getting knowledge. Have you ever noticed that listen and silent are both using the same exact words? <laughs> listen and silent use the exact same words. Maybe you can't listen because you're not silent. Men, dwell with her according to knowledge. I understand, brothers. I promise. I'm going to come next week. They ain't going to like me next week. I promise. But, but this, this is important because... This is how healthy, holistic relationships start forming. We have men that are intentional with getting knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. So I want to show us God's design. Um, Tiffany and Tanisha, come here real quick. And Matt and my other brother that I asked, I want you to come here real quick. I want to show you guys something. Um, clap it up for my volunteers real quick. All right. So you're just going to stand over here, and Tanisha, you're going to just stand right here. All right. Can I get everybody to say God's, God's original, original agenda. agenda? Okay. So Matt, you're going to be God. Okay. Lindsay likes that. So just turn this way. That's his wife. He's God. I want you to come over here. So God's original agenda was for it to first be God and man. Okay. And then what God did was he gave the man an assignment. Please hear me. He gave the man an assignment, a job, a legal one. Okay? One you can file on your taxes. God, look at the order. I want you to notice the order. In the single state, it was first just God and Adam. Then God gave Adam an assignment. Dress and keep the garden. Tend the garden. Sisters, watch this. If he doesn't tend the garden, he's not going to be tender with your heart. Okay? So what my sister should do is you should just be looking. Don't get behind him yet. Mm -mm. She should be looking to see, is this brother's order off? Not your lonely. Is the order off? Does he have a garden season? That's intimacy with the Lord. He is doing what God has told him to do before her. He already knows his assignment. Because if he doesn't know his assignment, he will make her his assignment. This is making sense. So he already knows what he's supposed to be doing. She needs to take notes. Does he have a garden season? Because unmowed gardens give room for snakes. And you wonder why you're getting bit by depression. You wonder why you're getting bit by anxiety. It's because you didn't look at his garden. You just looked at your loneliness. So the order, there's God first, and then there's Adam. So now it should make sense why First Peter chapter 3 says, husbands. Because that's the first one I see in the order of the earth. Is this making sense? Okay, so then what God did was he put Adam to sleep and then he took out woo man and put him so that they could now have a relationship. Now, God is so cold. 
Because when Adam woke up, the first thing he saw was a naked woman. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like God is cold, y'all. Wives, take note. Sometimes your husband just stand there butt naked. That's this. And just say, hey, I am redeeming the original kingdom agenda. <laughs> it's the Bible. I'm preaching the Bible. <laughs> now, look at this. I want you to notice how God took woman out of man. This is how I know the enemy is behind this perverted stuff in culture because culture is trying to put the woman back in man. Did y'all catch that? God took the woman out of man. That female part, he took it out. What culture's trying to do is put the female part back. Okay. So look, look, I want you to notice. This is the kingdom order. God is his head. He's following God. Look, look, if he's not intentional with trying to understand his designer, he's not going to know how to love you the way you've been designed. Is this making sense, family? This is the order. Now, this is how the fall happened. Now, I know you're not going to like this, but you're my wife, so ain't nobody going to trip. <laughs> Tanisha is going to be the snake, Okay. So this is how the order happened. All right, God, you go to the back. Eve, you come up front. Come on, snake. <laughs> you come all the way up front. God, you come back here. Okay? How the order got messed up was the woman was listening to a snake. And the man was silent about the snake and they put God in the back. Is this, is, is this one of the reasons why your relationships keep failing? Because they look like this. You listen to snakes. You've been told to be an independent woman. So when God gives you a head, you won't let him be one. And anything with two heads is a monster. <laughs> this is so good, y'all. Anything with two heads is a monster. So maybe the reason your marriage feels like a beast is because your order is off. The stuff that you're supposed to be doing, she's doing. And instead of getting instructions from God, you listening to the enemy. And so your prayer life looks like this. God is last. I seek God last. I ask God last. I always pursue first, and I go off how I feel and what the enemy told me. The order. And so what God did was like, okay, all right. So the serpent messed this up. So God, Jesus is God, man. You come, and you remove the snake. So just push her out the way. <laughs> Softly, bro. You get out the way. Now notice, look, look. Jesus crushes the head of the serpent. What is head? Authority. This is so good, y'all. He crushes the authority. And he says, okay, let me get the order back right. Come here, Adam. You, you, you come back up front. This is 
how the order should look. Now, y'all, follow him. Bible all day. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It says, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Yes. This is so good, y'all. I love when the Bible preaches for itself. The head of every man is Christ. The head of wife. Okay, listen. I am not your head. I'm not. You know why a lot of brothers don't like me? Because you listen to me more than your husband. Listen to your husband. It's quiet. Seriously. Some pastors won't tell you this. You should not respect me more than your husband. You shouldn't be nice to me, but you're not nice to your husband. I need to calm down. My voice cracking. You should be able to respect your husband more than you'll ever respect me. The only reason you respect me so much is because you don't know my dirt. See, I'm transparent enough to say it. You give so much respect to pastors because you don't know them. My brother's probably like, thank you for saying that. Oh, <laughs> was Jerry said. Jerry said, okay, what about what he said? He asked, could you pay that bill? How are you going to say what Jerry said, but your husband said something else, but you didn't listen to him, but you're talking about listening to me? I'm not your head. All right. Okay. I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So now, for the single phase, before y'all ever say I do, you need to be looking, is Christ his head? He's not going to try to get your draws if Christ is his head. He's not going to put you in compromising positions if Christ is his head. I know. He's not going to lie to you if Christ is his head. Because when he does things that does not reflect Christ, he feels conviction. Okay? So when this brother is out of line, God convicts him. Move out the way, Matt. When this brother has no God, who convicts him? Nobody. Nobody. And so marriages, I want you to see this. Marriages are so frustrated right now because the order is off. One more time, Tanisha, I want you to come up. What Adam was supposed to do is when he saw that snake talking to his wife was to shut it down. All right, y'all saw how they said amen, right? So why do you trip when your husband say, I don't think you should talk to her? I am an equal sex and snatcher. I don't think you should go to lunch with her. I've known her since this. Okay, but she's a snake. She ain't no snake. Poison come, keeps spewing out her mouth. We don't have any marital problems until you start talking to them. It could be your girlfriend. It could be your mama. It could be your sister. Y'all don't want to talk to me. So we say, yes, Adam should have said something. But what about when he says something to the snakes you talking to? This is so good. Y'all can have y'all seats. Thank you so much. Was this good? So get us to understand this. He knew her and she conceived 
To know is to conceive understanding. I have to teach today, y'all. To know is to conceive understanding. Wisdom is to carry out that which has been understood. Am I making sense? The reason I'm trying to get us to understand this is because never stop learning because love never stops teaching. I need, you, I need you to know her. I need you to know that she feels the most loved when she feels heard. Husbands, know your wife. I, I, I need you to know her. I need you to know that she feels the most loved when you keep your word. If you said you're going to throw the trash out, throw it out. If you said you're going to be faithful, be faithful. If you said for better or for worse, be for better or for worse. She feels the most loved when you keep your word. I need you to know her. I need you to know that she feels the most loved when she's considered. Like when you clean the house, this means I consider that you work just like I worked. And both of us are tired. I consider you. It doesn't have to be big stuff. It can be small. Like Tanisha loves heat. Okay? And how she loves heat. It doesn't matter. Like seriously, in August when it was like that, that, that heat wave, 107, she's in the backyard enjoying it. I'm like, what are you doing? It's hot. It feels great. <laughs> I said, okay. I noticed she was sitting on the couch one day with a blanket, kind of cold. And I just got another blanket, threw it in the dryer, took it out. It was hot to me. Gave it to her. She said, oh, this is so great. Love is seen in consideration. Consideration. This isn't to make brothers feel condemned or to make them feel bad or male bashing. This is to redeem the original kingdom agenda. Look, you cannot, I said it last Sunday, you cannot renounce what has not been announced. So until we announce God's original order, we can't renounce that I have it wrong. The purpose of a straight line is not to condemn you, but to give you the revelation yours is crooked. Conviction is always for the purpose of you can do better. That's it. I need you to understand she feels the most loved when you spend time with her. Because how are you going to know her and not spend time with her? This is why Jesus will tell many, I never knew you. You had my words. You wore my shirt. You talked about me, but we spent no time. Love shows consideration. I want to show it to you in the Bible. I want to show you how the king is considerate. John chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Okay, so this is not their wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Look, if I, I'm in my 30s. If I tell my mama, woman, what does this have to do with me? Could y'all wonder how interesting it was to raise Jesus? Like he's God. It's, we were looking for you. Don't you know about my father's business? If you wasn't a son of God, boy. <laughs> Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, 
do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stones according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. What are we seeing the king do? Be considerate. Uh, Jesus, they, they, they out of wine. That don't matter to me. But you matter to me. Y'all missed it. They're out of wine. That don't matter to me. But you matter to me. It's not even my time, but since you matter to me, I'm going to be considerate to your request because I love you. Y'all, y'all seeing this? This is kingdom manhood when it's not even my fault, but you're my responsibility. And since this is something that makes you feel considered, I'm going to do it. So good, y'all. I'm going to do it because love takes into consideration the needs, the request of your spouse. Kingdom. I'm trying to get us to get this kingdom dialect, this kingdom talking, this kingdom communication. And what I've discovered over all of the marriage conferences I've been in, the reason a lot of couples argue so much is because they have different definitions of the exact same word. <laughs> That would be like a great first date kind of like activity. What's your definition of respect, bro? He write his down. Some of y'all probably going to do it. Hey, I just want to have a question. <laughs> but look, what you'll notice, if you just write words down, what does your definition of support look like? His definition and her definition are different. What, what is your definition of intimacy? You'll notice that her definition and his definition are different. So the goal of marriage is to be one to try to get our definitions to be congruent. This is how we have arguments. I need us to understand talking is not communicating. Communication is the pursuit to understand meaning. What do they mean? When he says, you don't respect me, and you respond and say, yes, I do, you need to ask yourself the question, what does he mean by respect? What, what? <laughs> Our brother said that real soft. Preach. <laughs> what do they mean? This is why y'all both speak English, but it feels like y'all are both speaking a foreign language. Because you don't understand meaning. There's no knowledge. And something that I've learned that really, really has been deep, deep in my heart is when you listen, you should be listening to understand, to validate. To validate. When my wife is telling me something she doesn't like, the goal is, okay, validate her in this area. Don't just say, man, I do do that. Can I be transparent real quick? I'm going to feel judged, but it's all right. Um, this one time I was shaving, right? 
And my wife was like, yeah, you left this hair right here on the sink. All right, I got it. So I cleaned the hair up. So my wife has long, beautiful hair, right? And so I got in the shower one day and I saw, <laughs> I feel so judged. Y'all pray for me, I have this little petty thing I'm trying to break. I see this hair and I'm like, Tanisha. She come in the bathroom. She said, what? I said, this hair. <laughs> if, don't judge me. You learn as you go. Don't do that. And the difficulty in marriage is they might be right right now. They were wrong later. I mean, earlier. You're wrong right now. Allow them to correct you right now versus you bringing up the times when they were wrong earlier. See, if that's hard for you, stay single. Nothing's wrong with it. <laughs> Communication. So I want to give us um, a few points on how to know, and I'm done. So how, how do I get to know her? If the text tells me, all right, I should dwell with her according to knowledge. How do I gain knowledge? Point number one, intentional listening. Can I get everybody say that, say that with me? Say intentional, intentional. Listening. listening. Okay, now, this is why that's important. Because when a man listens, it provides a safe haven for the woman's emotions. When a man does not listen, he causes for her to be emotionally homeless. Listen. Listen. So that I could provide a safe haven for her. Listening is one of the highest forms of consideration. I feel the most considered when you listen. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 2 puts it this way. Fools. Somebody say fool. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. <laughs> Y'all don't even know those in the Bible, huh? Wait till you hear the next scripture. It's going to be like, that's in the Bible? Yeah, fools have no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. How do I get to know I have to have intentional listening? Jesus constantly says this. At the benediction of his sermons, those who have ears, let them hear. Number two, how do I get to know her? Don't try to solve it as she's explaining it. I'm trying to help y'all, man. I promise. This is like free marital counseling right now. Don't try to solve it while she is explaining it. It is less about fixing it and more about hearing it. She knows you could be her hand. She wants you to give her your ear. Okay? Now, this is scripture y'all probably didn't know was in the Bible. Look at this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. It says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. It's the Bible, y'all. Answering before listening 
is stupid. <laughs> I didn't say that. The Bible did. Don't shoot the messenger. And rude. Don't try to fix it while she's explaining it. The goal right now, the woman that you're pursuing during dating or whatever, she should be a double major. I'm trying to learn. Number three, validation. Validation, because like I said earlier, the goal is to have similar definitions. So how do you validate? You listen and ask questions. Ask questions. What's up with all this? All right. All right. All right, cool. Yeah, I heard you. All right. I heard you, man. All right. Validate. It's simple. Repeat what she said. Okay, so you feel like I didn't think about you when I didn't take a trash. That's me. I got it. It's that simple. The longer you don't validate, the more she's going to repeat herself. And if you like me, I can't stand. Any brothers in the house? I, don't, I just don't. Over and over and over and over and over. But the reason she's saying it over and over and over is because you didn't get it. Like I went to my dad and I was complaining about this issue I was having with Tanisha. This was early in my marriage. And he was like, well, you know, that don't work. <laughs> well, try a new task. Validation. You have to ask questions so that you can get to know. Number four, spend time. You can't conceive without intimacy. It amazes me how many men don't mind spending time sexually, but have an issue with spending time intimately. There's a difference. Spending time, you can't conceive without intimacy. How do I get to know? And number five, notice the small things. How does that look? Compliment effort. Compliment effort. She didn't get it right. Like my wife one time bought me the wrong deodorant. But it was the effort. That deodorant didn't work. Okay? I can't use gel. <laughs> Just me. I can be like, oh, come on, man. You got the wrong one. I need powder. I need something. No. Compliment effort. Yeah. I'm thankful that you're even being considerate. And here's one that I didn't learn until year four of my marriage. Love languages change. They do. At first, it was gifts. Now, it's acts of service. I mean, if I just clean the house, she feels so loved. That wasn't their year one. But love languages changed. Watch this. If I didn't study her, though, I would know it changed. I would still try to give her a 2012 need when she doesn't need that in 2022. Okay? But that requires study. Number six. Remove condescending and sarcasm from your vocabulary. How, how do you get to know? Remove condescending and sarcasm from your vocabulary. The worst thing you can ask your woman is, did you think? It's like, time out, ghetto time. <laughs> Remove condescending and sarcasm. Why? Why would I tell you how I feel if I know you're going to be sarcastic? Remember point one, when she can't talk to you, she's emotionally homeless. 
So now I'm looking for somebody to house my emotions. So set up. Okay? Remove condescending and sarcasm from your vocabulary. And this last point, number seven, to me, is one of the most profound. You are restoring what love from a man looks like. Okay? You are a restoration of love from a man. Daddy could have left, wasn't there, and she never really knew what love looks like. It is your responsibility to make her forget what it felt like to ever have a broken heart. Now look, I take this seriously because Remember one day my wife was crying. I was dancing with Melody, and I was just having fun with her. My daughter's really energetic. And I looked over, and she's crying. I'm like, what you crying about? She said, I'm glad my daughter has that. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that she won't have to wonder, is he coming back? I'm glad that she is not going to have to look for that somewhere else, but she could always find it at home with daddy. Brothers, I need you to understand, you are restoring what it looks like to be loved by a man. And it's not sexual, it's not perverted, it's protective, it's kingdom. A lot of our sisters, we've done counseling, we've done conferences, we've done marriage conferences and singles events. A lot of sisters does not, do not know what it feels like to be loved by a man. They don't. In the house, right now, online. I've never experienced kingdom love. Ever. And you, listen how weighty this is. You have an opportunity to show her for the first time what it looks like to be with a king. What it looks like to be with a king. So th this, this message on this afternoon was to remind you, husbands, dwell with her according to knowledge. No knowledge, no dwelling. Why is this important? If you don't learn how to dwell, and if you don't get the knowledge, I won't hear your prayers. Your prayers will be hindered. That's tough. Why is it like that, Lord? It's because you don't understand you are representing me. Marriage is Christ and his church. And I don't want her to think I don't love her and I don't know her. So when you misrepresent love, you misrepresent me. So I won't even hear you until you learn to honor her. And remember, you picked her. I picked the wrong one. <laughs> or you never have known her. This, for singles, if, if we had this, this, this wisdom is game changer. For real. Game changer.
Now I can start to think, do I want those materials? Because every relationship is a deposit on your house. And for marriages, this is a game changer too. Try it. Go home, give seven words, and see if your definitions are the same. And you'll see why we have marital length, but no oneness. Because we have different definitions over the same thing. God, forgive us for looking to culture to be our professor. We have allowed perverted minds to try to teach us what love looks like. You told us in your word in Proverbs chapter 7 that wisdom is the principal thing. And all thy getting, get and understanding. Get wisdom. So I pray for the totality of this message that this particular sermon that went forth will be one that could help us to unlearn how we think. But to teach us that to interrupt without listening is stupid and rude. And every conversation we have is an opportunity to allow the painter to finish whatever it is they're painting so that we can understand. And my specific prayer, oh Lord, right now is for singles. Help them to be able to make choices that are choosing materials that birth kingdom in the earth versus chaos. And for my married couples, engaged couples, I pray that this image of God, man, Eve, and the serpent, I pray that they're able to look at that image and ask themselves as a couple, do we have that order in our marriage? And whatever it is we got to do to get that order right, give us the conviction, give us the passion, and most importantly, help us to conceive your will so we can give birth to obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees to that prayer, in the house, would you say amen? Amen.